Hello, welcome to episode 20 of Not Just Yoga. There's a couple of changes in the podcast today. You may have noticed that I didn't talk about my technological achievements last episode, and that's because there weren't any. So, until something new comes along, I'm hoping to muddle through in the world of technology, but we shall see. In addition, there will also no longer be any meditation, relaxation or mindfulness at the end, mainly because if you're out and about listening to this, then it's not really suitable. And also, there are plenty of free videos available on my YouTube channel, Say Yes to Yoga, and I keep adding more as the weeks go by. And of course, I want people to utilise these resources as much as possible. When I think back to when I started the channel, um, I think it was May 2020, during lockdown, some of my 15 minute videos would take nine hours to upload. I mean, it's a good job we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We've since improved our internet, so it does not take anywhere near as long now. It's a lot faster. There will still be a section on yoga where we'll talk about various yoga-related things. I did mention last episode that the podcast may be coming to a natural end. After speaking with a few listeners, as long as I've still got something to talk about, then there's a few episodes left in me yet. So we now move on to the yoga part. I've been looking for inspiration for social media posts for next year. Yes, I know it's only November, but I do like to get a head start. This year, I've focused on showing and demonstrating poses for what I called my Muscle of the Month videos. And each month, I assigned a different muscle to it. And then I explain what to do and what not to do in the pose or in those poses related to those targeted muscles. It can be tricky doing videos like this as it's so easy to try and push yourself too far. In class, I'm always going on about not pushing yourself to your limits and holding back a little, which is why I think it's really important to explain what not to do in a pose as well. With regards to social media, I know there are many others out there, not just yoga teachers, but all sorts of businesses who post daily. I can't commit to this. And to be honest, I don't want to. Posting upwards of three times a day, every day. If I did that next year, I'd have over a thousand posts. 1,095 to be exact. Yes, you can work it out if you want to check. That's a hell of a lot of content to try and find. I know I often post things that have nothing to do with yoga. But that's to show the face behind the business, so to speak. And I also don't want to repeat things too often either. So if there is something you would like to see that you think you may benefit from, then you know what to do. In fact, I'll share my contact details here, seeing as we're mixing it up a little this episode. If you want to contact me on Facebook, look for Say Yes to Yoga. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Curly Girl Yogini. Say Yes to Yoga was already taken on Instagram. You can email me, sayestyoga at hotmail.com and my website is www.sayestyoga.co.uk I'm not on Twitter. I, I did try it. I didn't quite get it. So keeping with the yoga theme, before I recorded this episode, the day before in fact, 
I also managed to actually attend a yoga class. I'd had quite a busy day and decided to book a space at a local yoga studio. This studio is called Chris Om Yoga and it's located in Aldridge on Middlemore Lane West. The west part is very important as I found out during my phone call to ask for directions because I'd ended up outside an industrial unit with several lorries and I knew that couldn't be the right place. I had already uh, met the owner Chris before. I'd completed my training and went to help for the day with the next cohort. The lady who ran the class, Kay, was someone I'd trained with and it was also one of the reasons I'd booked onto her class and it, it was a great class. It was restorative yoga and it was just what I needed. We used bolsters and blocks, there were blankets, all to just help us settle into the pose. I'll definitely be going back for more. So if you're local to that area, check it out, you won't be disappointed. You can find Chris Om Yoga on Facebook or Instagram and he also has a website. I'll try and include a link on the description of this episode. Hopefully it will work. Right, now we come to the main part of the podcast because even when I decided to call it Not Just Yoga, I didn't realise that what I'd read or what I'd watched on the telly would actually become such a large part of it. And it brings us on to the eyes, ears, seen and been. And we'll start with the eyes, as always. This month's country is China. So if you're a new listener and you haven't got a clue what I'm on about, I've set myself a reading challenge and each month I choose a different country and read books either about that country or that are set in that country or books that are by authors from that country. I've had a book about the Boxer Rebellion on the bookcase for at least, I think, at least six years. I finally started reading it. I bought it because I knew nothing about it and I only actually became aware of this event when it was mentioned in Buffy. It's certainly a very informative book. It's part of a series called A Brief Guide To and then there are several different subjects. It's over 400 pages long and it's twice the size of A Brief History of Fighting Ships which I bought a couple of weeks ago which I'm looking forward to reading quite a lot. But back to China. I don't know whether it's the way it is written or the fact that I've got no previous knowledge to compare it with but the information is very accessible. In other words, I can remember some of what I've read and the people involved and it's not like reading a stale, heavy history textbook. One part in particular sticks in my mind and it was quite early on in the book and it talks about eunuchs and I'm just going to read it to you, read the few sentences that it says. A man could choose to become a eunuch at any age. Some even married and had children before taking this radical step. The severed genitalia, known as the precious, were carefully preserved in a pot. This served a dual purpose. The pot's contents could be presented as evidence of emasculation. But, more important, the eunuchs believed that if they took them to their graves, they would become whole men again in the next world. I just couldn't help but think of Gollum when he talks about the precious. We've got my precious engraved on the inside of our wedding rings. It's just, 
yeah anytime i hear that word it's in Gollum's voice there's another book that i finished reading started it quite a while ago but left it in the van and then forgot about it and then finally finished reading it it's a book called sap rising by a gill it's crude filthy it's downright hilarious but i'd only say read it if you're not easily offended richard from archery geek outdoors recommended it recommended it to me and now i keep recommending it to others i haven't read any of aa gill's books before he used to have a regular newspaper column which i've read a few of but i'll definitely be looking at other things that he's written and of course after the eyes we have the ears so things that i've listened to going back to my younger days i've been listening to good old oasis for me it's always going to be the first two albums that i return to time and time again i've also listened to a few more episodes of the forgotten origins of fairy tales podcast i knew fairy tales were always a lot more sinister than disney makes them out to be in fact disney's portrayal is quite far removed from many of these stories for example in the original written version of cinderella the ugly sisters actually cut off parts of their feet in order for the shoe to fit i mean how horrible is that but i can understand why that bit was omitted from the disney version the queen in snow white ordered the huntsman to take snow white into the woods and bring back her lungs and liver so the huntsman you know we all know he he let her go he decides to bring back the lungs and liver of a wild boar which he gave to the queen which the queen then proceeded to eat again i can understand why you probably wouldn't want to be showing that to little kids and last but not least i just had to tell you about this one just because it made me chuckle pinocchio it took me years to learn how to spell pinocchio properly by the way i could probably do a whole episode just on pinocchio and the things i found out there are many many differences i asked mark what he knew about pinocchio and his reply was he's a puppet made of wood that mutates or something i guess this could be quite concise and yeah fairly accurate the original pinocchio starts with a carpenter finding a piece of wood that talks and it scares him so much that he decides his friend geppetto should have it i mean what kind of friend do you call that seriously come on (laughs) oh this talking piece of wood is too scary for me so i'm going to offload it onto you wow there are many more differences in the original 1883 pinocchio story compared to the 1940 disney version just in case you did want to delve more into the adventures of pinocchio it was written by italian writer carlo collodi i think i may have said that right i'm not sure after briefly talking about fairy tales i'll bring you back to the original reason and that is the podcast the forgotten origins of fairy tales although not just fairy tales as the latest episode talks about dick turpin they're not very long i think they're about 10 minutes long each uh quite informative quite interesting they're certainly eye-opening and then after eyes and ears we've got the scene part there's a fair bit really for this I should have mentioned the first one I'm going to talk about last episode because we watched it way before this month but I just forgot if you're able to find the John Otway documentary then watch it it's called Rock and Roll's Greatest Failure 
Otterway the movie. I'd never heard of him, and neither had anyone else, I asked. And by the way, neither. Mark says it should be neither. But anyway, it seemed like Mark was the only person who had heard of this John Otway person. And he's an English singer-songwriter who had a lot of mad ideas, and some of them even worked. He's been going since 1977, and his enthusiasm hasn't diminished in the slightest, and he's got somewhat of a cult following. I don't want to spoil it, but actually, now I'm describing it, I'm beginning to doubt whether I actually have mentioned it before. As I say, I don't think I have. I couldn't find it in my notes, but then again, my notes aren't always that concise. We also watch something modern. That modern, that we saw it within the week, it was released. It's a comedy drama called The Outlaws with Stephen Merchant and Christopher Walken. Yeah, really. When I was trying to explain it to Mark after reading about it in the telepages, he's like, Christopher Walken, are you sure? Stephen Merchant and Christopher Walken. I was like, yes, those two. Stephen Merchant who did An Idiot Abroad with Carl Pilkington. Yes, that's Stephen Merchant. Christopher Walken with the voice. Yes, Christopher Walken. Compelling viewing. I'm so glad we have catch-up TV. As I wouldn't have wanted to wait a week between episodes, it's about a very diverse group of people who have to do community payback. No spoilers, no more information. I'd give it 9 out of 10. We also managed to watch a Jerry Anderson documentary before it disappeared off one of our favourite streaming services. And this is Jerry Anderson, the Thunderbirds creator. I didn't see the beginning, but it was easy to pick up. I did not mean, by the way, for there to be a puppet theme for this episode. Now, I don't ever recall watching Thunderbirds. The only Thunderbirds-related thing I do remember watching is the Blue Peter episode way back in 1993, where Anthea Turner showed you how to make Tracy Island, because apparently the real tour was really expensive. Now, I never really watched Blue Peter, for some reason but everyone was talking about it and it was hard enough trying to fit in with people when you're 11 years old so that was probably why I made an effort to watch it because it was the thing to have watched but upon watching it I realised that I wouldn't be able to get that exact yoghurt pot so I didn't even try I don't actually know anyone that tried to make this Tracy Island I'd be interested if you know anyone that did and how successful it was. Film-wise, well, we went to Wales for a few days, more on this later, and as it was in a converted barn in the middle of nowhere, we couldn't safely go out walking at night. Not because we're scared of the dark or anything, but because Wiggy would probably stumble over a pothole or trip up on a rock, and that's the last thing we need. So each evening, we watched a film, as there was a TV with various streaming services on it, We started off with Gosford Park, which we'd both seen before, with so many famous people in it. I mean, really, most of the actors were well-known, not just a handful. It was written by Julian Fellows, who also created Downton Abbey, and Mark actually said he'd like to start watching the Downton Abbey TV series just for Maggie Smith's one-liners. I certainly won't mind watching the TV series again. Little bit trivia for you, Julian Fellows played two different characters in Sharp. Then we watched Ocean's Eleven, as Mark hadn't seen it before. Great film. Then we made the mistake of watching Ocean's Twelve. Mark said he couldn't understand how a film with George Clooney and Brad Pitt could be so bad. 
We should have started watching Downton, I suppose. At least Hugh Bonneville is upmarket and classy as Lord Grantham. But then again, Hugh Bonneville can do no wrong in my eyes. Except if he played James Bond. He seems too nice and friendly for that. The last film I'll talk about is Damn the Defiant with Alec Guinness and Dirk Bogard. A proper film from 1962. It's about a fictitious ship, the HMS Defiant, and it's set during the Napoleonic Wars. Mark's very into aeroplanes and all things aircraft, while I'm more of the nautical persuasion. Give me a film about a ship or a submarine any day. Right, we come on to the bean part. We have definitely been getting out and about more now. As I said earlier, we took Wiggy to Wales for a few days. We went to six different beaches and saw only a handful of people in total, which suits us just fine. We stayed in a dog-friendly converted barn on a farm. Very quiet and peaceful. It was lovely. I had more or less a total break, as in I wasn't trying to post things on social media for my yoga business. We travelled a fair few miles during those few days, almost like a mini Welsh road trip. We went all around the Lynn Peninsula. We climbed up and down steps countless times. There was just so much to do. We, we could have stayed twice as long. Don't think Wiggy would have liked that though. He was definitely glad to get home on the settee under his blanket. We also took Wiggy to Bosworth a couple of weeks ago. And we saw a man with four remote control battleships on the canal. And they were quite impressive. The time and effort that goes into models amazes me. You need to have quite a lot of patience. I remember my dad had one when I was little but I don't think he ever made it. I like the idea of building a large ship with sails and all the guns and stuff, probably because it reminds me of Mr Bean and his Christmas present that his girlfriend gets him. But it's what to do with it after you've built it. Where would you put it? Or, to be more precise, where would I put it where Wiggy couldn't fall on it or run into it and where it wouldn't collect dust? So yeah, as I say, we've been a fair few places we also went to the raccoon shoot at the archery club and this was an evening shoot i hadn't done it before and you go round shooting at targets that are lit up with uv torches it was so much fun you had the points were dependent on what you hit and it was plus or minus a set amount of points we had glow sticks and headbands with that lit up with flashing lights and yeah it was, it was fun really enjoyed it got to spend it with a good group of people i'll definitely do it again next year one more place i'd like to mention that we've been is asgard games in warsaw now we've been there twice in the last couple of months on a saturday afternoon evening time before we've gone to a couple of pubs and the owner vince is so friendly and we bought a game from there called escape the dark castle we haven't yet managed to escape it's a pretty tough game he reckons that you need to play it with about four people because then you can take turns resting and building up your strength of course we've only played it with us two at the moment so maybe that's where we're going wrong we do love our board games in this house backgammon is probably the one we've played the most in the last year or so considering we didn't know how to play it when i bought it and then the rules are fairly easy to pick up 
and it's, it's setting up the board really that we forget we always have to look at a picture but once it's set up it's like yeah know what to do now but we go in for more of the epic board games i suppose um like talisman which takes three to four hours to play and if you've got the expansion packs wow it could be like an all-day thing really we've got a couple of historical games that we really like playing one of them is bristol 1350 and basically you've got to escape without getting the plague but you don't know until the end of the game whether you've got the plague or not and the other one is called Tortuga 1667 and it's about being a pirate sailing the waters of the Caribbean. I'll just read the little description to you. A Spanish galleon floats nearby and you've talked your crewmates into working together to steal all of its treasure. What you haven't told your fellow pirates is that you have no intention to share the treasure once you have it. You are still loyal to your native country and keeping the treasure for yourself will finally buy you some respect back home. Some of your crewmates have told you that they share your loyalty and that they'll help you maroon the greedy pirates on your ship to the rocky island of Tortuga. But you've seen your friends' loaded pistols and heard their whisperings of a mutiny. You know that nobody can be trusted. And these two games, they're both by the same people. Uh, facade games, it's called. And they're in the format of books. So the box is a, a book and you open it up, it's magnetic, you open it up. And inside the, the game board, it's like a little mouse mat and it rolls up. You've got cards and a couple of counters or other things depending on which game you've got. Nice and compact. And when you play different games like we do, they soon start to take up a lot of space in the house. So these are ideal. So going back to Asgard games, I actually went there yesterday myself while Mark was at work to write up some podcast notes and have a chat with Vince because I just love the atmosphere in there it's a really nice laid-back place I don't feel out of place in the slightest it's a really large area that they've got at the back they've got tables for gaming on and they've got a bar and a cafe and then they've got the shop part if you want to have a look online at them please do so. If you're able to go and visit to take a look, then just check the opening times on the website. And I can definitely recommend the hot chocolate that they have and the beer. And I think that's about me done. I've spoken a little bit about yoga and a lot about what I've read and what I've seen on the telly. As always, any ideas, please get in touch. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next month. Bye.